Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through the Lord Jesus. Amen. Jeremiah is the only prophet who is chosen before he is born. Some prophets were claimed at a very young age, like Samuel, for instance. But only Jeremiah is told, Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, this doesn't mean that Jeremiah is like prophesying from the womb or as a newborn, but rather that God had his plan in mind prior to Jeremiah's birth for what Jeremiah was going to do in those days, the message he wanted him to proclaim. And God was going to do all that he could to make sure that Jeremiah's work as a prophet in the years ahead would succeed. Now, success here is not everybody loves Jeremiah's words. Success is that he is going to faithfully carry out these words, even if they are painful. And so in Jeremiah chapter 1, where we have the call of Jeremiah, God says some very powerful things to Jeremiah. He says, I have put my words into your mouth. Right? So when Jeremiah speaks, he opens his mouth and it's not going to be his own words. It doesn't mean that Jeremiah doesn't have thoughts and, again, thinking about how to speak and what to say. But rather that as he speaks, he is able to trust that in his close relationship with God, these are God's prophetic words that are inside of him. And God says, these words are powerful They are going to be both destructive and creative. They will tear down and uproot, but they will also build up and plant new life. And then God tells Jeremiah, I am going to make you into a fortified city, an iron pillar. I will turn you into a great bronze wall, And I'm going to stand you up against kings, against their officials, against priests, against all the people of the land, and they're going to fight against you. They're going to wail against you, but they will not prevail. Because I am with you to rescue you. It's going to make Jeremiah a bronze wall. He's going to succeed in this work of being a prophet. This is a really impressive promise given to Jeremiah. Consider in the midst of history, lots and lots of people have carried out the work of proclamation, right? And I'm not talking about like priests and pastors, just the church of God, as we see even in Acts, right? Young and old men and women alike carrying out that work of proclamation. And yet they were resisted and fought against, and at times in history even destroyed by others. Stephen, in the book of Acts, right, he proclaims truth. He does the prophetic work, and he ends up being stoned to death. Perpetua, a woman from the third century, a faithful woman of God, ends up being martyred, if I remember correctly, in the Colosseum. Polycarp of Smyrna. Many have been faithful and died because of it. But God makes a specific promise to Jeremiah, you will not be overpowered. They will not prevail against you when they fight against you. This is not to say that Jeremiah never died, right? But that this act of him prophesying is not going to lead in these instances to his death. And this is what we see happen throughout Jeremiah's prophetic work and writing. He speaks these word of God that both uproot death and plant new life. He denounces the abuse of power of kings and priests in those days. 
He points out the societal oppression put on people who are at a disadvantage. He speaks out against an economy and economic thoughts and behaviors that keeps some diminished and then inflates others. And tons of people hate him for it. Absolutely despise Jeremiah, including people of power. The king hates Jeremiah. Some of the priests as well, and many of the officials. He is beaten, he is imprisoned, he is publicly ridiculed, he's treated as public enemy number one, disrupting their society by all of these words. But he's never defeated. He's never fully overpowered. He's this bronze wall, this iron pillar, this fortified city. They fight against him, they hurt him, but he is not defeated because Yahweh is with him to rescue him. And he continues to proclaim this prophetic word of God. A specific promise, you will not be overcome. You're a bronze wall, they will not prevail against you. But now we have this poem today, this prayer of Jeremiah. God, you tricked me. You deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me, and you prevailed. Jeremiah points the finger at God and basically says, You lied to me, God. Sure, you said my enemies wouldn't prevail against me. You said you'd be with me to protect me and rescue me from other people, those that hate me. But I need rescuing from you, it feels like. God, you're the one prevailing over me. You're the one overpowering me. You made me into a bronze wall and nobody else seems to overpower me, but you keep prevailing over me. I have these words, Jeremiah says. You put them in my mouth and no matter what I do with them, there's only trouble for me. I open my mouth, I speak these words of destruction and justice that you've announced through me and everybody hates me for it. And if I try to hold these words in, if I try to avoid speaking because I don't want this ridicule and hatred, your words burn my insides like a fire in my heart and in my bones. It's painful not to speak. You said you wouldn't let me be overpowered by my enemies, but you're the one overpowering me. You deceived me. But then Jeremiah is also aware of a whole bunch of people, the temple officials, friends, and others. A guy named Pashur, who he gives the name terror on every side in the previous verses. These people want to overpower him. They want revenge. They're watching and waiting, hoping that Jeremiah is going to be deceived by some sort of plan that they have. And then they can fight against him and finally destroy this troublemaker. But Jeremiah is confident. Yahweh will protect him. And he specifically remembers God's promise in this poem, this prayer, when he called him as a prophet. He says, I will be with you to rescue you. And Jeremiah closes out this prayer, inviting praise, singing, because God is that rescuer, the rescuer of the needy from the hands of the wicked. If we heard like Jeremiah in our midst, like in person saying these things, or if we hear somebody else talking this way, accusing God of deception and also praising God for rescue, 
we might respond with, they've got some screws loose, right? Something's not right internally for them. You can't accuse God of being deceptive and praise him like in the same breath or prayer. Jeremiah, you need to apologize to God for this accusation. You've got some repentance you need to do. Keep the praise, right? That stuff's good. You've got to get rid of those other thoughts. You're talking nonsense. You deceived me, right? But Jeremiah doesn't apologize here. This poem simply stands as a stark expression of anguish towards God and his words and his work, as well as an expression of joyful praise towards God as Jeremiah both questions the promise of God and praises and relies on that very promise. And this is not the only time that Jeremiah will do this. His writing is full of emotional experiences, even emotional outbursts at times. Some have this tension that seems like he's talking out of two sides of his mouth. Others lack the positive language of praise at all. If you're interested sometime, look at the very next verse, this next poem that follows our reading today of prayer. There's no hope there at all. It's just despair. The poems of Jeremiah are a deep and honest expression of life in relationship with Yahweh. And it's not always cut and dry. It's not always black and white. There can be both trust and rage towards God. There can be despair and anguish. There can be confidence and confusion all at once in that relationship. And these responses are not something that Jeremiah sets up as needing to repent of, but rather offers them as faithful expressions. A window into the life as part of the people of God. No matter how disjointed or opposed the feelings or thoughts may be, no matter how disconnected they may feel, the reality is they're not disconnected or disjointed. They are joined together in one thing, in us, right? Inside of us, we have these multiplicital experiences. These experiences fit together in us. And again, we have to think about Jeremiah's situation. He was promised, you've got this word, it's powerful, you're not going to be overcome, you're going to be a bronze wall, it's going to go great, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I think this isn't going so great because of what you gave me to do. It makes sense that he would feel deceived. This experience of multiple emotions and thoughts sort of swirling around all at the same time, this is still the case at times in our life in Jesus today. God has entered into the world, into human skin and bones, into the human experience with all of its thoughts and feelings as well. Because he desires so badly to restore, to be with humanity and with the vastness of his creation. He's crucified and raised from the dead, and in so doing, we see the very heart of God, the depth of his desires He forgives you and me. He gives the promise of life to you and me. And he promises us all, I am with you always. 
We do not have the same promise that Jeremiah had. We're not bronze walls or fortified cities in the way that the prophet was. We have a different promise that if we are destroyed in the midst of that faithful work, we'll be recreated, resurrected, and that death will not win. In that larger sense, we won't be overpowered, not in an eternal sense, but when we speak and act in the world in line with God's justice, especially for the least, when we live and act and speak in ways that are in line with God's love for all, we might be hated. We might be overpowered and prevailed against. Nevertheless, we have the promise of God and Jesus, I'm with you, always. That's beautiful. It's a source of joy and comfort for us. Our rescuer goes with us wherever we go, even if it's into pain and suffering and even into death. But as Jesus says, I am with you, we might find ourselves saying and maybe feeling, cool, that's beautiful, I love it. But I also don't have a clue what you're doing while you're with me. Kind of feels maybe like you lied to me because all of these instances, you say you're with me and then I read the scriptures and when you're with people, it's like all sorts of good stuff happens. Miracles, feeding of 5,000, right? People being welcomed and cared for, all sorts of activity. I see immediate change. You're with me. I trust that. But you also feel like you're lying to me because my life's a mess. Or maybe we think and feel something like, God, you really do love life. You raised Jesus from the dead. That's amazing. So what's wrong with you for letting so much death continue? Maybe there are moments where we find ourselves trusting that God's message and his way of living in Jesus is powerful and we really fully believe it changes lives. But we also find it hard to speak because it hurts to have some conversations and there can be pain and ridicule. We both love the message and also don't want to speak it because it hurts at times. We may want to avoid the very thing we love. This is all part of our life in Jesus. These poems that Jeremiah offers to us, these expressions of multiple emotions at once, or even the depths of one single emotion, if you will, even things that seem in conflict, it's all still part of our life because we live in the promises of God, which are both fulfilled and yet still to be fulfilled. And this today, at least for me, as I think about these things and share them with you, this isn't about having to discern in those moments what is sinful. There may be times where we do need to repent, and that's important. But this is really about honesty and about full expression to God as we take seriously the good news of Jesus. If you find yourself both feeling joyful and annoyed thinking of our stuff with the kids. Maybe we can call that genoid. I don't know. Joyful and annoyed at God. If we find ourselves both trusting while and skeptical, or thankful and furious towards him, Jeremiah shows us what to do. Express it, right? Speak it to God. 
Speak it to God by writing down if praying in your mind or out loud just doesn't feel like it's going to work for you in those moments. Or even if that just feels odd because sometimes prayer feels like talking to a wall. Talk to another person, right? Pray by expressing it to somebody else. Even if that expression involves, well, sadness and laughter or any other mix of emotions. If you are feeling all sorts of things towards God or just one strong emotion, even if it's hatred or despair, it doesn't mean you're necessarily wrong. It doesn't mean you're crazy or you've got a screw loose. It just means you're a human being. Like Jeremiah, living in a relationship with a God who describes himself and reveals himself as merciful. It means we're living in a relationship with a God whose promises are being kept, but also just don't seem to fit in line with so much of what we see, hear, and experience. We are in a relationship with a God who loves justice and changes lives, and that in that relationship, things are not always easy. They're not always black and white. They're complicated. And yet we strive in the Spirit because of his promise, because of his grace, and by his grace, to live in that relationship with honesty, expressing whatever comes our way, because we trust that in the end, he does care for us. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.